Welcome to season five, the final season of Been There, Done That, a pandemic survival podcast. In this show, we've been talking to some real life experts on how they've been getting through this time filled with unexpected changes, challenges, and still those darn feelings of helplessness. And those experts are everyday people like you and me. Turns out we have been more than prepared for this moment than we ever would have realized. So let's get started and see what we can relearn one last time. Okay, well, it's Wednesday. March 3rd. Is it 5? Is it 514? Is it about to be 515? It doesn't matter. Do you know how many attempts and tries and false starts we've had with this interview? Too many (laughs) to count. I'm not even going to go there just yet. But today, being ever so patient, waiting, making time, making space, being okay with cancellations, I guess just being fully in the pandemic. (laughs) Thank you. We are here with Jamie, who is in the same city as me in Reno. And Jamie, thank you so much for your patience. Jamie and I were supposed to have this interview, I think, two weeks ago. And right before it was supposed to begin, um, or began, begun, I said, Jamie, I think I'm having a detached retina. I might have to cancel this interview. Yeah, no, I got to go to the doctor. We'll, we'll postpone it. We'll reschedule. And Jamie's like, yeah, sure. I mean, interview, <laughs> retinal detachment. I think there's some priorities here. And then again, today, we started a little bit late. So Jamie is the most patient person ever. And of course, it would make sense, just as a reminder to the listeners and readers of such, Jamie is a librarian or works at the library. Um, but Jamie, you recently changed your job. At least that's what I remember from the last time that we spoke a few months ago. Yeah. You you shifted jobs. How's the new role going where you're doing more sort of graphic design and putting together a visual story of what the library does and is doing programmatically? Yeah, it's, it's going really well. Um, <clears throat> so I'm pretty much like a, I'm, I'm a library assistant, but I'm officially like, if there was a marketing department, I would be in it. So I'm like a marketing library assistant. So yeah, I am, um, I'm doing a lot of the social media posts. I'm creating a lot of the graphics. I was doing a lot of video editing. Um, so really getting to like flex my creative muscles, um, in a, in a way that, that I find enjoyable. So it's been a really nice, cause actually it's been a nice career change and it's been a really good time for that because as of this month, I will have completed, I've reached 20 years of employment with the library system. No. <laughs> yeah. You've been doing this for 20 years, dude? 20 years. I was a wee babe of like 22 when I started, barely, almost 23. Yeah. Now, now wait a minute. So so what do you have to do to become a, a librarian and a library assistant? Like what kind of, what kind of credentials and, and, you know, degrees do you need for this? Well, for my, what I'm doing um, <clears throat> to be a library assistant, um, like the entry level position of that, you really don't need any particular degree. Um, I mean, having a GED or, a, you know, graduated from high school is of course like the base level of what you would need um college courses help of course if you had a master's in library science that would also help a lot a lot a lot but um but yeah you really don't need you do need 
I would say you do need some experience in the book industry, not necessarily strictly in the library. Um, if you've got experience at a retail bookstore that that is looked upon as, you know, comparable. Like, yeah. Comparable experience. So, so yeah, um, it's, you can, you can kind of get your foot in the door if you start out as a library aide, which is a shelver. And for that job, you really don't need any experience. Um, and a lot of, but folk- you do need to know the Dewey decimal system, don't you? Um, I mean, you should have a good idea of how it works. You don't necessarily need to know it, you know, perfectly to get that job. Um, but they do do this test, at least they used to, I think they still do when they got it. And these are nerve wracking interviews, any position in the library, it's a panel interview. So you're sitting in front of like three or four people. the library? (laughs) Yeah. You're sitting in front of three or four people you don't know. And they're all asking you different questions and they're doing this weird thing where, they'll calmly and gently ask you this question. And then you're sitting there, you know, you have to like, think about it, provide them a good answer. And then they're writing down your, you know, they're taking notes on what you're saying. So like these people are scribbling away on pieces of paper as you're talking. And so you could be just like rambling, like out of nervousness, you know, like, uh, and then I shelf books for 10 years and, you know, and yeah, it's, it's kind of nerve wracking, but they also do this thing when you're a library aide, if you're interviewing for a shelving position, like the, the very base entry level position in the system, um, they'll probably have a cart of books in the room and they'll be like, okay, put these in order. There's a test. There's a (laughs) panel. There's a panel of people. They're writing copious notes, no matter what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And then there is the ever popular, ever famous, popular, well, maybe, maybe it's not popular. I think it's popular. The, I think it's synonymous with librarian that there's a cart and that it squeaks. It has a squeaky oh, yeah. wheel. Oh, it totally it has does. to have a squeaky wheel. Squeaky, squeaky, uh-huh. squeaky. And it's where all the books are that need to be returned. And so <laughs> part of the, part of the, the interview process is put these books in, in the proper order. Yeah, and they will, they'll mix them up. They'll have some books there that are fiction, some books that are like, you know, graphic novels, children's books, Dewey Decimal number nonfiction books. So they'll be like, okay, put these in order. And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> these are like five different categories. What do you mean? You know, so you just have to like make it make sense and then they'll judge you. <laughs> what if you put them, what if you put them together by color? You ever see those folks oh, who God. own books and they don't put them by genre or yeah. in alphabetical order. They put them by color. Oh, I can't, I can't even go there. You know what? That, that is that like just, a librarian's nightmare. It is. And that gives me really bad flashbacks. And there's actually a meme of this. There's, I mean, there's memes for, you know, people in the book industry, but one of them is like, and this happened to me before when I worked at Barnes and Noble one time, someone came up and they're like, okay, so, I was here before and I saw a book and I don't remember the title and I don't remember the author, but the cover was blue. And I'm like, Oh yeah, let me take you to the blue section. It's right over here. Yeah. So that's sarcasm. That's sarcasm. If you could tell that's sarcasm, heavy sarcasm. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't even know where to go with that. Okay. But wait, give me one second because I, I'm pretty clear. I'm, I'm like 99% sure that you, this example that you shared of like the most annoying uh, 
service oriented person for somebody in the book industry meme. As you described it, I realized, oh, you're not describing me, but it sounds just like something that I have done or would do. Because <laughs> that's my only frame of reference sometimes. Or I'll describe the picture on the front as if the color of the book and the image on the cover is in any way, shape or form part of the cataloging system. But I hear you. Is this what happened to you in your interview? You know, you know what though? Oh, uh, well, yeah, no, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but the thing is, the thing about librarians and people, retail booksellers, they're so good that nine times out of 10, if you describe the picture on the cover, they will know what you're talking about or they will find it for you. You have to just give them some kernels. All I want, okay, and th this is a real thing. It's called a reference interview. You go up to the reference desk, you're looking for a book. You see, sometimes you don't even know how to phrase your question to let people know what you're asking, what you're looking for. You might just say, you know, I, I'm, I, you might say something and we're trying to decipher from what you're saying, what it is you actually need. So we're experts at that. And we get to that kernel of what you need. And we're like, okay, I get it now. You're looking for a certain book. You know what it looks like. Can you describe it for me? If you give me enough little kernels of information, I can use that to find what you're looking for. And this part isn't part of the interview. They don't say, no. I'm looking for a book that's da-da-da-da. And you have to think about it and be like, mm. Is that a million little pieces? Is that a million little pieces? Did you say it had a hand and it, it had a bunch of things going through it? And you remember that Oprah said, sorry, I recommended this book, but he's a liar. So I think that's a million little pieces. Like they don't ask you, they don't give you like a quiz like that. No, because the thing is, librarians are really, all we really are is we are people that know how to use information. We study information, we research information, our whole lives are about information. So we use tools to get information. We don't necessarily keep it all in our own brains, but we use technology to get answers for people. So I don't know. know. I don't know. I feel like I feel like the way you're describing your work and the and the work of librarians I had no idea that y'all were a little bit of doctors. You know, you're like, well, it kind of hurts when I go like this. Uh-huh. Tell me more. So you're <laughs> kind of like a doctor and you're kind of like an investigator who's like, really? Um, what size book would you say it was? Was there anything interesting about it that really stands out? Oh, yes. You read it from right to left. Ah, okay. <laughs> like what you're telling me is also that librarians are essentially the original search engine. It's true. like, you know how we go to the computers nowadays and we get on, we get on the internets or we get on the Google and you Google it. Right. Yeah. And, and you put in the search box, you know, some keywords, and mm -hmm. then it spits out to you a bunch of things that maybe you don't need, you don't want, that's not it. And you keep refining. And that's essentially what you do with a librarian. It's blue. It's about yeah. this tall, this big, like, yeah. so, okay. Okay. This is making sense. <laughs> now, all of these wonderful things about asking for, um, you know, a particular book, some information, all of this, this has changed in this last year when we're not able to, at the beginning of the shelter in place and the lockdown, go to the library. Mm -hmm. We talked early on um, earlier this year at the beginning about how 
just shut down and distinctive things were in the library system that you couldn't do anything. There was, there was conversations about maybe taking the books out to the people with the little mini libraries and the neighborhoods. And that got, that got cut off. And then it was, well, how do you return books and things without paying a fee? And then, you know, closing of the drop-off spaces and then the collection. And then at another interview time, we talked about how there was like a drive up window, almost like old school bank and current fast food style you know like yeah i'd like a children's book how many three does it matter what kind no okay i'll just take whatever you have so like what are things like now in the library because the last time we spoke it was around election time and we talked a little bit about how elections and voting was still happening in the libraries but you know it has been a year where libraries have taken stances in support of the Black Lives Matter movement and had a huge backlash. This has been a year where the election was so hot and contested that there was even, you know, plans and worries about our librarians and library spaces going to be safe if there really is this call to watch and observe the elections um, in this very particular, you know, kind of intimidating way. So libraries have actually been quite central to the last year outside of just COVID with the election and with political uprisings. So mm-hmm. where are we at now with the libraries? Um, so the Washoe County Library at this point, um, we're looking pretty good. We're actually, um, we just expanded our hours a little bit. So like one of the branches that has been closed that hasn't had any drive because they don't have a drive up window. They haven't actually been able to offer any services. They just opened up this month for like one day a week. So, I mean, we're, we're looking pretty good. We're, we're looking towards eventually, you know, potentially offering some browsing time, which is something that we haven't done this entire, throughout the lockdown, the pandemic, we haven't had people actually in the branches to browse. And a lot of folks are really missing that. So I think that is like the future step that is, that they're looking toward. So that, I would say that's on the way, but you know, they're still in the kind of talking about it stages. So for right now, it's um, branch, several branches do have drive up windows. So we're offering that. Um, And then uh, the branches that don't have drive up windows, they're just doing like grab and go. So basically, you're home, you're on your computer, you put a book on hold, you tell it which library you want to pick it up at. And then you get a notification when that's ready to go. And then you just go and during the open hours and you pick up your item. So you either go to a place that has a drive up or you just go to a place that has a grab and go. And right now I think we have, I want to say we have, gosh, like seven branches that are doing hold pickup. So we're looking pretty good. Wait, so what's, is there a difference between grab and go and hold and pick up? Well, hold pickup is the overall thing. You're going there to pick up books or DVDs or items that you put on hold. So mm-hmm. hold pickup can, if you if the branch has a drive up window, it can happen and drive up. If they don't have a drive up window, they it's grab and go where the the library will have like a designated space where that you can go and you know you grab your your item that you put on hold. Ah, so they're one and the same. It's just yeah. one is you pull up to the window and the other one is you might have to park and you might have to go inside. Exactly. But those are the, they're one and the same. Okay, so this is interesting because this means that the library and and food 
the food industry is kind <laughs> of the same, you know, like many drive through restaurants early on, you know, would, would close the whole restaurant, but the drive through was open. Mm -hmm. um, so you couldn't like go inside and order or sit uh, once you had gotten your food, but the drive through was available. And, you know, then other places were to your point about the library, if they didn't have a drive up window, if it wasn't a fast food establishment, if it was just a restaurant, you yeah. would order and then you could go and pick it up. Um, but what you haven't explained is the third option that has really hit the food industry, which is the delivery service of either like Grubhub or Uber Eats or things like that. Like, do y'all have a service that you work with? Like, can I go on Uber Eats and pick up my library book? Have somebody <laughs> pick it up for me? Sadly, we don't have anything like that. Um, you don't have a delivery service? Well, no, not to your home, but we do deliver to the branch of your choice. So ah. if, if there's an <laughs> item, if there's an item, let's say you live in Sparks and your library is the Sparks library and there's a book that you want and it's at the downtown Reno library. But we have couriers that actually work delivering items between libraries, um, you know, delivering items for people's holds um, yeah. from branch to branch. So we do do that part. Um, but yeah, it is, it is up to the patron to get to their location for pickup. I mean, let me be clear. If I had a choice of where my tax money went, I would designate my tax money to go to the post office and the library. And <laughs> I would be very much so a strong advocate that those two should merge. I mean, let's think about this for a second, okay? Amazon, this huge behemoth of a company that has just made trillions and trillions of dollars in the last year, mm -hmm. started out really in two business spaces. One, they sold books. Mm -hmm. And two, they were a delivery. Uh, you know, they, they eventually realized, well, we're really in the delivery business. We're in the yeah. package and delivery business because that's how we're giving you the books. And now you can get anything there and you can pay extra money and get it within a few days with Amazon Prime. I feel like library and post office, if you're listening, this is your opportunity. Do you not see it? Do you not see it? We're basically, we're saying, I would like to order this book. And in, yes, it should go to my local branch because that's where my postal worker is going to pick it up and deliver it to my home. Like, are you not excited about this idea? I'm so excited about this idea. Let's make this happen. No, Jamie, anything? Uh, oh, hey, that, that sounds good to me. That would be really cool. <laughs> you know, I mean. It's the yeah. people's Amazon. It is the people's Amazon. And, it, you know, if we can make it free, then even better. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Again, if you are listening and you have the power to make this happen, just make sure that the podcast is credited. So <laughs> if you work in promotion, you're like the madman or the comms person of the local library branch. So what are some events or some things that you've been promoting? Are, have you been promoting the idea that things are open now or that there's the drive-through and the grab and go is like, is that what you're working on right now? Yeah. Um, so we just had, we just launched our expanded hours, which some branches are slowly adding hours to their schedules. So more, you know, more availability for whole pickup for patrons. So March 1st, we launched that we launched expanded hours. And then um, we're actually this week, um, four of the branches are getting automated materials handlers installed. Those are um, what, what does that mean? It's There's like a robot. Uh, <laughs> automated book drops. So when you put your book 
or DVD or whatever in the slot, you know, the book drop, book return, um, it's going to automatically get checked in by this machine that kind of just like on a conveyor belt moves your item and like drops it into this little collection space for the librarians to grab. Um, and it gets checked in just in the, I don't know, in the process of moving on the conveyor belt, it's, it's checked in. So a human doesn't have to actually sit there and scan your item in to check it in. See, now, anytime this kind of stuff happens, the Luddite in me gets a little scared. Like, <laughs> did you just take away someone's job? Or did you just make someone's job safer? Because I, they don't have to touch the item right away. I think safer and easier. Because, I mean, it's... Here's one thing that people don't necessarily think about. Now, I've been in the system 20 years, okay? My right hand is kind of sometimes a little bit shot from repetitive work, repetitive motion work that I've done at the library. Like gripping, I grip all the time. I'm gripping books all the time for 20 freaking years. So my thumb, my right thumb, man, I need, I have to have a, I go to a massage therapist to get this like thing worked on at least once a month. Like get out of town. Yeah, no, it's real, real deal, man. Repetitive injury, man. Really? At the library? The gripping? I had no yeah. idea. I like to call it librarian's claw. <laughs> <laughs> but, Does anyone else call it this, Jamie? I don't think so, but they should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I've got a bad case of librarian's claw in this hand here. And um, one of the, I mean, if if this this machine can take away one of those steps where I have to grip a book, Hey, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Wow. Okay. So the Luddite has, has gone back into this little tiny file cabinet here. Let me make a sound. There it is. (laughs) It has been put away and the OSHA hat has been put on the occupational safety and health. uh, You know, I'm, I'm now looking at this through a very different lens. This feels very supportive and very good. Again, as long as somebody isn't losing a job, because right. they their sole job was just to intake returned things, which doesn't seem to be the case. I think we're good here. So yeah. are you all then essential workers? Have you have you been vaccinated yet? Um, we have not. I would say we're not technically considered essential workers. Um, some of our patrons might disagree with that because we've kept them entertained throughout this whole thing by supplying <laughs> them with, you know, material. education. Are you in the education space? Does that count? You know, I mean, there, there is a part of that. We, there, we do play a major role in, in education. I don't know. It's just, we're kind of like a branch of that in a way. Um, I don't know, maybe indirectly. Um, but yeah, but no, there's been have, no priority. Yeah, no priority. Um, and for me, I'm working from home, so I'm definitely not priority because I'm not coming into contact with people. But my coworkers that are on, you know, the library front lines, um, yeah, I don't know. I would hope, I would hope that they're not going to be the very bottom of the list. But right, but we don't know yet. It's not, it's not been a priority for the state of Nevada just yet that librarians are in some kind of category. Yeah, you, you mentioned something about that people are missing the browsing. 
Yeah. You know, like I, I'm kind of missing the browsing of anything, you know, like I started walking around the neighborhood, which I think many of us did for a lot of reasons, you know, to get some alone time, to get out of the house, to get yeah. some exercise, to get some quote, fresh air. Um, but I think also for me in particular, you know, that kind of fresh air, something just for myself and a little bit of a light walk came from browsing. Like I would call it urban hiking. Mm -hmm. um, and I would go to Costco or Marshall's or TJ Maxx or any grocery store and deliberately browse up and down every single aisle. Again, that's my urban hiking. And because I'm disabled, using a cart was in a replacement for my cane or a walker. So it was assisted uh, urban walking. And, um, you know, I, I used to do this thing, Jamie. I don't know if you know this about me. Um, you might not like me after this because this feels like a librarian nightmare as well. <laughs> But um, I would go to like a Marshall's or a TJ Maxx with my cart, fill it up with a bunch of stuff that I really wanted. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, I just leave the cart and I walk out because I don't <laughs> actually need any of those things. I just like browsing and I like shopping and I like the idea that I could have anything that I want, but need need. I yeah. don't actually need any of those things. So I could imagine that maybe something similar happens in the library. You go up and down some areas, some spaces, you look at a book, you're like, oh, this looks interesting. And you, you get your stack of things that maybe look interesting. Maybe you do this with magazines and periodicals and you go to a little area and you check them all out, you know, one at a time. And then you decide, mm, I don't want any of these. And you just leave them. Does that happen in the library? Um, that doesn't, that part where they go through the entire process as far as checking them out and then leaving them, that doesn't happen very often. I wouldn't No, I mean, pre-checkout, pre-checkout. Like I oh, mean, check them out as in like, I'm looking them over, not oh, an yeah. official library term. Sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like our, our whole deal is, you know, the only thing we ask is just don't, just don't reshelve it yourself. Don't decide that you know where <laughs> it goes. Cause we'll never find it again. It's out of order. You don't know the Dewey Decimal System. Don't. It's okay. Oh, we don't expect wow. you to. It's okay. That's Just how I feel about folding laundry. Don't fold my laundry. I know how to fold it. Please don't <laughs> even try. I'll just have okay. to do it again. Yeah, I mean that's why basically at the library, browse to your heart's content when you when you're able when we're open and um, you know if you see a book you you like, you're gonna look at it. You're gonna decide either yes, I want it or no, I don't. And if you say no, you don't just leave it there flat on the shelf and we will put it back for you. Wow. Yeah, we don't this care. This is amazing. But you do care. Actually, you do care because to your point, please don't try and put it back yourself. You're, yeah. We're going to lose it forever. Yeah. We'll never see it again. You're going to put it somewhere crazy. Don't do that. Just, just in the vicinity or on a table somewhere, somewhere in the building, just not, you know, where you think it goes on a shelf on in order somewhere in your idea of order. If one is no big deal and 10 is I'm quitting my job because it's such a big deal. How big of a deal would it be if when the library is open and folks can go in and browse, I went in and took all the books and re shelved them by color. <sighs> <laughs> Someone would stop me. Someone would stop me right away, right? Yeah, you know, I, I'm thinking of um, the scene <laughs> that I saw. Yeah, someone definitely noticed. But I'm thinking of this scene I watched in a 
it was some show on Netflix and I'll have to think of what it's called later, but it's like kind of like a sci-fi type show based on it. I think it was based on a comic book, but it's this girl that has these powers to move things kind of a little bit Carrie-esque, you know, like she can basically Mm -hmm. move things with her Mm -hmm. mind. And one of the things she ends up doing is (laughs) this library. She goes in the school library and she thinks someone's following her. And so something happens. She's stressed out. It's a crazy moment. And like, essentially she causes all the bookshelves to just like, like crash to the ground. Books are just everywhere. And like, my fiance was laughing at me when we were watching that scene. Cause he just knew like, like that's hurting you, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, it's hurting me. I think I know the show. Is she kind of like a redhead? And she's the main central character. Yeah, she's got like short hair. What the heck is that yes. called? I don't remember, but she's I like saw it. And it was, student. yes, it was totally like Carrie because at the end there's yeah. this whole, like it's like an update of the of, of the Stephen King uh, story, Carrie. Only I have to say, and this is maybe going to be really horrible news for you. So brace yourself. They, they, they didn't renew it. There's no season two. They didn't? Are you kidding one. me? No. I was waiting for that. God, yeah, no, we... so was I. So Dang was it. I. And that's what's happening right now. Okay. So like right now we're in a, you know, sort of pop culture, nonfiction TV movie watching moment where people binged so many things thinking, how am I going to get through the next six weeks or two weeks or a few Mm -hmm. months? And, and then like production had to stop for a bunch of shows and major (sighs) networks, including now Netflix had, had already decided not to renew certain things. It turns out that recently Netflix did an an audit of their sort of production and titles and realized, oh, we have a massive absence in Latinx storylines to which I say, yeah, cause y'all canceled them all. You had one day at a time and it was amazing. And you let that go and Mm -hmm. it had an amazing three seasons, maybe even four. And why don't you just get that back? You know, like, and so what we started to see happening now is a lot of shows, their next season is going to be like really far away from now, unless they were already in the middle of production, we're able to figure something out. And so like the handmaid's tale is coming, uh, in, you know, April. Um, and, and that, you know, got pushed back Uh, secession on, uh, you know, HBO got pushed back and it just ended, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic. And we have shows like Queen Sugar and This Is Us somehow making it back uh, in the middle of the pandemic because they're doing all these safety protocols and because they wrote COVID into the storyline. Uh-huh. So writing it into the storyline means that the actors get to wear masks and be socially oh, distant. I see. Yeah, and yeah. it's all it's all part of it. Yesterday, a new season began of a TV show called New Amsterdam that is also about a hospital. Okay. Ironically or, or oddly enough, most of the hospital and firefighter and police shows right now are not writing COVID into their storyline. I think it's because they maybe filmed them before COVID. Um, but New Amsterdam is the only show that I've seen that has a hospital um, that's about the medical profession that is incorporating COVID-19 in it. And it spent two minutes at the beginning of their show spending just over do, like doing an overview of the entire COVID moment, like uh-huh. the scars on their faces, you know, people getting sick to the point now where, you know, folks already have all the vaccines in the hospital and it's kind of like a post COVID moment. And they're talking about um, 
like how challenging it is. Like people's families are still separated. One doctor who lives through COVID has long-term permanent damage where he still might die because of the long-term effects of COVID. And so what's interesting to me is watching this show that is just a few months ahead of us Mm -hmm. in an imagined space where things get better. And so I want you to join me there in an imagined space, just a few months into the future. What do you think is going to happen in the library when it opens back up to be browsing? Do you imagine that the same amount of people will come through? Do you imagine that more folks will maybe come in because of an economic downturn in some way? Do you imagine more homeless folks might need more services that the library was never intending to supply? but does inherently um, in many ways. Do you imagine that folks will be um, asked to show proof of a vaccine in order to come in? This is what's happening in Israel, in Israel right now. Movie theaters and social spaces are only opening up for folks who can show that they've been vaccinated. Or do you imagine a time where the library will be open for browsing, but it'll be limited in capacity. And so we can't have that many people in right now because we're trying to limit that. And then who would get limited? Is it homeless folks who need to use the restroom and want to use the computer and sit down? Will they they be asked to leave because other folks who are trying to check things out would come out? Like, what can you imagine in the best case scenario happens with the library? Um, I mean, best case scenario, you know, the people that a lot of us are really concerned about are the homeless patrons or the you know, the low income folks that, that really rely on the libraries for, you know, for access to computers, um, for access to the internet, which they don't have where they live or where they're sheltering. Um, I mean, that's the reality that so many of us forget exists, um, that there are people that have zero internet access aside from, apart from libraries. So, I don't know. I think, I think, I don't know that one group will be a priority over another per se, because libraries are pretty democratic in that regard. Um, You know, first come first serve kind of thing probably, but, but I do, I do think that we, we have been considering those people and they're definitely, I mean, I, I, I see, I see some of our regulars like walking around town and, and it makes me wonder like, oh man, look, there goes such and such. I wonder, he it looks like he's totally changed his routine. Like this time of day, he would be in the library. Instead, he's walking out of the shopping center, you know, like, man, there must be such a change for him. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's really striking just thinking that way, like, wow, they, they were a part of my daily life just as much as I was a part of their daily life at, through the library. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Ideally, I think, I think we'd like to provide as much access as we can to anybody that needs it. Um, you know, I mean, I, I really don't see, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if, if, I guess probably in the beginning, we will have to limit folks. Um, Mm -hmm. There is talk right now of, um, which this was something that we've been working towards for a while. Um, There was the CARES Act grant that got us access to some Chromebooks. And so I think one of the things that's coming really soon is that we're going to, 
have Chromebooks available for people to use at some of the branches. So, so yeah, that's coming sooner than later. Um, and people will have time limits and, you know, they can't check them out and take them home, but they can, I think they can use them on the premises, either in the parking lot or in a designated spot. So, so in that way, we are looking to really help that the population that doesn't have access to computers, they're kind of first on our list of like, let's get these people some access. So that's kind of step number one, I think. Um, I mean, that, that, to your point earlier, right? Like the, the shocking reality of, of how many people, not just now, but have always had the challenge of accessing the internet. And it's not just the internet, it's also a computer. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if you don't have a smartphone, then you don't have that way of accessing the Internet. And mm -hmm. so no smartphone, no computer. You don't have the Internet, no Wi-Fi. You're not going to have the Internet. And so it's multiple things at once. And yeah. so many of the processes of finding out whether or not you're eligible for a vaccine and um, whether or not it's your turn to get a vaccine and that that communication in any way shape or form and signing up to get one is online right now and so for many folks who don't have access to the internet in any way shape or form the library was that way that I could go look something up I mean mm -hmm. there there have been like comedy uh, movies where folks go to the library for their online interview because they don't have the internet or a computer right like there are many ways that that the library gets used in that way but what's striking to me is that we're a year in yeah. And just now we're talking about, you know, how can the library maintain that access um, point for folks in terms of, you know, being able to get Wi-Fi and such like, can folks be just outside of the library and still access like free Wi-Fi without having to like plug in? Like, can you have like a password and whatever and just kind of be on the other side right now? Like, are people even doing that? Are people using the library Wi-Fi outside of the actual building? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say we don't necessarily like recommend that people, you know, stay there late at night and do that. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's, you can access it, you know, it's, it's, it's in the vicinity of the building. So, you know, I mean. It didn't get turned off this last year. No. Yeah. We, we still have it. So it's still there. Um, yeah. And, and the thing, the other thing to think about is, you know, a lot of folks who are low income slash homeless slash, you know, look, living in shelters, a lot of them do have cell phones. Um, mm -hmm. So they do have access, some access to technology, but the thing is they don't have access to electricity necessarily. So, right. you know, where are they going to charge, charge up? Right. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing to think about. I mean, libraries were great places where they could get all those needs met. I mean, and a yeah. you know, safe, warm space with a bathroom and a water fountain. So, right. I know, it's huge. It's huge. Okay. All right. So we're at a point where, you know, this is our last interview. We're trying to wrap up the year. Yeah. And in the time that we've, we've spoken two other stories come to mind um, that you have shared. One is that you were keeping up with meeting and checking in with your best friend. Um, and the story you shared is that 
y'all would meet at like a, a parking lot or an open area <laughs> and mm-hmm. pull up next to each other, driver's side to driver's side with the windows down and a drink or a treat. And you would check in that way. You know, the spring came, the summer time came. I don't know if that changed. And now it's winter again, about to be spring again. How has that uh, continued and what has that been been like? <laughs> We're still doing that. Um, yeah, we actually do try to meet up at least once a week, usually on a Sunday. Um, you know, we'll like meet up in the parking lot of a park, nearby park. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we try to go because our thing was brunch. We used to always get Sunday brunch. So we still mm-hmm. grab coffees and maybe a breakfast burrito and eat it in our car- cars, you know, apart from mm-hmm. each other with yeah. the windows down. Um, so yeah, we're still doing that. It's pretty fun. Um, it's been really Are you good. glad that you adapted in that way, but stuck to the regular meetings? Was that like super crucial and important? Oh God. Yeah. So important. Even on days when it's like a chore, it feels, sometimes it does feel like a chore, like, Oh, I don't want to get ready and go out. And, but then once I do, I'm like, God, I'm so glad I did this. I needed to talk to, you know, cause some, you, you're, the thing is your partner can't be your everything. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people think that way, but that's, that, that's not how I think or feel. And that's, I don't think that's reality of the world at large. Your partner cannot be everything to you. You need to have somebody else in your life that you can talk to. Cause who the heck are you going to talk to about your partner? You know what I mean? Like, so, <laughs> so yes. aside from a therapist that you pay. Okay. Great, yes. Great advice. One-sided friendship. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's been really good for my mental health and also for her mental health for us to just meet up on the regular and just, you know, I, although we have suffered from not having enough to talk about sometimes because they're really, what? well, they're really, it's like the pace of life has slowed quite a bit. There's not as much going on these days, you know, with lockdown and everything. It's like, what can you talk about? Like, oh yeah, I did all my laundry. I actually folded it all. Um you know, or like <laughs> we went and got a great meal that we didn't eat at the restaurant and we took home to eat in bed while we watched Netflix. It was exciting. You know, now like, you're sounding like that progressive commercial <laughs> where it's like you're starting to sound like your parents. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> I love that commercial. <laughs> I know, but now I know why. Because yeah. basically, that's the life you're living right now, mm-hmm. you know, like. Come on, I'll help you with your parking. You should get that one. That one's really great. Blue hair, like that is that is you, you know. Like, yeah. but what does do you think that life and the pace of life has also slowed down, like politically? Like, were you all finding hard things to talk about during the election time, or has it also been like post election, you know, post vaccine rollout? Now it's getting a little bit harder, or or was it a little bit harder prior to this moment? Um, I think we like she and I we're we don't consider ourselves like super political people, but we do have opinions about things. So it's, it has been nice to talk to her about, you know, like our, our, how we feel about certain politicians and we're on the same, she and I are on the same page, um, you know, or like dealing with, um, you know, like my conservative stepdad, her conservative dad or whatever. It's been, it's been good to kind of have someone to, you know, either bitch with, um, bitch to about, you know, concerns or how you're pissed off about what some politician did. So that's been, 
I don't know. I've enjoyed that. Just having that outlet. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, cause I don't, I am a person. So I know we've talked about this, how I'm an introvert and I have like a word quota where I reach a certain point in the day and I'm done with words for the day. With words. Yeah. Not, not, you not the word written. quota. I have a word quota. Yeah. Where I'm like, I, I can't, I'm done with talking. I where I I'm done with hearing someone talk to me and I'm done with talking to someone. <laughs> Was this before COVID? Oh yeah. This is, this has been in place a long time. Yeah. Where oh I my just, God. So this must really be a struggle this last year because you're, you're going over the word quota, like all the time I can imagine. <laughs> well, I, the funny thing is it, the thing is, I feel like I'm talking to way less people throughout the week. However, however, my tolerance for words has also gone down. So maybe <gasps> it seems like, and that's the end of this interview because we <laughs> met the word quota. Like, is there a word quota? Like, is there a counter? I need a counter in front of me so that I can be, be very, you know, precise and exact with the questions that I ask you because I don't want to waste any word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. It's just, I, I think there's a point where I just need to, where I personally find that I'm just not, I can't, I don't want to talk anymore you know, like in the day, like I'm, my brain is done. I'm fried. I'm like tired. And I'm like, okay, I can't talk or, or uh, like I can talk, but I, I can't get into any real big conversations. Cause I do reach that point where I'm at, wow. you know, I'm like, yeah, it's, I, I'm fried. It's gone. And We're it's gotten gone. worse. It's, gotten, it's worse gotten worse in the last year. Yeah. It's gotten worse because I'm not, I feel like that muscle is not being exercised as much as it used to, you know, like before I would talk to people, multiple people I didn't even know all day long. And now it's like, I talk to way fewer people way less often. And so that muscle is like losing some of its. uh... Jamie, I have been talking to you for the last year, every (laughs) two to three months for like an hour. I'm worried that, that this is our last interview because I am going to be contributing to the less people and the less words. Oh, see? That you have. Yeah, that's not good. I need this. We need to, we're going to have to keep this going for years and years. Oh, my gosh, Jamie. Oh, my. I mean, I've never felt such pressure in this whole <laughs> year until right now. Like, oh, my God. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I have another question. I have another question because now I'm really thinking about how many more words I have with you. Okay. <laughs> Um, you've, you've also shared in the last year about your family, um, having, you know, chronic illness and you being very cognizant and aware and worried and concerned about their health and safety during this last year with the pandemic. And I know that here in the state of Nevada, we are not yet at the place of chronic illness folks. I think that that's coming. I saw a picture somebody showed me that like that, that is already at play. And then when I looked it up, I couldn't see it. So I think it's around the corner. And then just this week, we also had President Biden share that because we have a third vaccine now, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine that only requires one shot, that he is saying folks will have access. We will have enough vaccines for everyone by May, June. Now, have enough vaccines by May, June is different than everyone will have access to it by May, June. So hope is coming in these like drips. Mm -hmm. 
right? And it's yeah. almost like hope is also on like a word limit. You know, there's like only so much hope we can <laughs> get every day because we don't want people to get hopeful, not oh, full. Yeah. We just want you to keep hope going. Mm-hmm. And so um, how's your family doing? And what's the vaccine status? And, and what would you say is your current extended family's health? Is everyone okay? Is everyone good? And are they just anticipating and waiting for the vaccine or have some folks already gotten it because of maybe their employment? Oh man, knock on wood. Um, everything, everyone in my direct family is good currently and has been okay throughout this whole thing. I mean, God, yeah. I, honestly, the only person in my life that, well, my dad in California, I know he got his vaccine because he's um, in the 70 plus range, mm-hmm. um, age range. So he's good to go. So mm-hmm. I checked him off my list. Okay, good. And then my boyfriend, now fiance, which is something else that happened since the last time we talked. Um, <laughs> yes, it did. It was my next question. But now that you've brought it up, I'll just note it um, and make sure that I ask a very good short question about it because of the word quota now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, so he's a teacher and so he got his, so he's good to go. Um, Mm -hmm. But my poor mom, my type one diabetic mom, I mean, they're, she and my stepdad, they're on the waiting list. I'm like, come on, hurry it up. You know, I mean, they're Mm -hmm. 65 and older. Okay. Mm -hmm. Next they're, they're next in line from what I keep hearing, but you know, when, I don't know. So um, Mm -hmm. yeah, God forbid. I, I just, I, I can't fully relax until they get vaccinated. It's just, you know, and then my brother, he's type one and he's in California, but he's also like 40 years old. So he, I don't know. I mean, let's move him up to the front of the line here, but who knows? Well, in California, if you have a chronic illness, the release date for those folks to start to get ready uh, to be in the queue, if you will, and have access to vaccines is March 15th. So consider that today- Yes. So, so considering today's the third, you got 12 more days before that release drops um, in California. And, you know, I, I hear you, I've got like four more family members who are in line, you know, who are over the age of, you know, 16, 18, who can get it. So I'm just fingers crossed, just got to get a few more family members in. And then I too can feel like, uh, I can breathe, you know? Um, But then there's the extended friends and family like you, like, I want you to get it. So I I will still be holding my breath until everyone I know at least has the same kind of safety and security. Um, Just like if everybody I knew didn't have a mask, like I want to get you a mask. If you don't have hands in, I want to get you, you don't have any toilet paper. I will help you get toilet paper, you know? And so there's that, that moment of, of relief. So let's return to the fact that you got engaged during the pandemic. I did. Was it romantic? Was it like at least all of that fun stuff still in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> well, it was very sweet. Um, we we're kind of, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say we were like overly romantic people. Not you know, I mean, but you might be overly cute. Yeah, cute, cute, <laughs> sure. Um, so we okay, we really got into one of the fun things for us during the pandemic was we really got into Shits Creek. We watch all of Shits Creek. Um, highly oh. recommend it. I love that <laughs> damn show. So um, one of the parts of the show, um, David, the main male character, he sings uh, the Tina Turner song, Simply the Best, at one point in the show. 
to someone that means a lot to him. And, <clears throat> and so, um, so on Christmas morning, uh, I, we open all our presents. I'm sitting on the floor and, and my boyfriend, Ian, he gets up to go, um, <laughs> like, and I had this feeling, I had this weird feeling. I was like, Oh, something's happening. <laughs> so he got up to go get, he grabs this card and he gives me this card. And on the front of it, it says, it's got a picture of David from the show. And it says, you're simply the best. And I'm like, Oh shit, what is, what's going Oh shit. Shit's Creek. Um, and so I look in, <laughs> I look in the card and it's this long, like really thoughtful, really beautiful thing that he's written to me, you know, basically a proposal in a card. And, uh, <laughs> and so he, the only thing is, I was sitting on the floor, so he couldn't get any lower than me to kneel. <laughs> I'm as low as you can get on the floor. So uh -huh. the kneeling was gone. Goodbye that. Uh -huh. uh -huh. He's sitting on the couch and he, he grabbed this ornament off the tree and he opens the ornament and in there is this ring. And so that sucker had been on the tree. He put it there for like two weeks. It was sitting there. I had no idea. I just thought, oh, there's an ornament. Okay. And so it was sitting there waiting for me um and he so he proposed and i said yes and and then we broke the internet a, wait a minute when then we broke the internet <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute it was a proposal in a card and then he reaches over to an ornament and opens the ornament and that's where the ring had been the whole time yeah 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 i had no idea did you keep the ornament yeah oh yeah yeah we, i mean we'll probably keep putting it on the tree yeah that will be the ornament of yeah. ornaments for the whole rest of your time together i mean like and and that's the kind of like beauty of like ornaments right they only come out once a year yeah so you put them back away and then the, and each one has a story even if the story is i don't remember who gave me this but i like this one you yeah. know like each one has that 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 kernel of of being like a time capsule for that moment and for those folks and so you have that that's kind of rad yeah yeah so it you know it was really um i wouldn't say it was unexpected but you know i didn't know when because we had we talked about it so i knew you know it'll happen eventually and we're we we tend to be like kind of non-traditional people so i was like well i don't really care if um, non-traditional and yet traditional at the same time i guess for me with my history of like having a hard time in the dating world, I think it did mean a lot to me to have someone actually want that with me and, mm -hmm. and, and go through the, yeah. the proposal. Cause you know, for someone who kind of never thought that would happen, like <laughs> truly, I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll be happy if I'm like Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn and we're just, we just agreed to <laughs> cohabitate for agree. 50 yes. years. Yes. Whatever. I don't care. You know, but it is meaningful and, and, and the tradition did mean a lot to me in that moment. So, so yeah, it was nice. Well, congratulations. Um, and, you know, so this kind of, this kind of brings me full circle to the end. So first of all, what a year, 
we've we've spent quite a long time talking about all the things as we were seeing them happen. And now we've had this moment of reflecting on the things that happened in this year and getting caught up on where things are at now. You actually talked about, Ian, really early on when we were talking about this like exercise that we were all trying to somehow still pack in. And you're like, well, I used to go to the gym and then, you know, my boyfriend, Ian, and we go to these steps and da, da, da. So like Ian has been in here this whole time and now we've just cemented it in a very uh, different way. Um and so my, my final question to you then is, you know, we started out asking everyone, what did this initial time of having to shelter in place and not knowing what was happening next and, and death and life and what we do with our time, you know, being so front and center, did this remind you of any other time in your life? And you actually talked about September 11th. Well, now we are a year in and... While there's that little bit of hope, it's not quite over yet, right? Our podcast is ending because the year has has come. And um, the question I have for you is now that you've lived in this year, what advice do you have for your future self or future family members or anyone listening who really connects with you in either being in the libraries, working with books, having any connection to you. And also, but again, like you could also just be you. Like what's the advice that you have for you about how you got through this year and all the bananery that was in this year, you know? Yeah. What did you do? How did you make it work? And what would you advise for folks to do or for you to keep doing? Well, you know, I think... I think number one on the list is self-care. And I've had a hard time with that throughout this period. I mean, I've, I've kind of ebbed and flowed with self-care and, and I realized like, mm, you gotta be better about it. So, you know, I mean, getting outside, moving your body, taking breaks, not working, you know, 12 hour days, it's all really important. Um, you know, and, and kind of the whole idea of like, let yourself off the hook. I mean, you're, it's important to follow the rules, follow the guidelines, stay safe, all of that, but also have some levity, um, escape, whatever escape means to you. Um, you know, it's, it's so important, but yeah, that, that mental health and the self-care is number one. Um, <clears throat> beyond that, I would say that checking in with your core people is number two you know, like make sure, I don't know, just like make sure your people are good. You guys are safe. You know, you know, you know, they know how you feel about them. You know how they feel about you. I think that's really important too. And not, not to think, not to like, it's just so important to maintain those relationships. You know, it's like I was saying before, you know, there's days when I feel like I don't want to necessarily go through the motions of putting out the effort to meet up with my friend. But afterwards, I'm like, God, I, I'm so glad I did that. It's so important. So, you know, maintaining these connections, maintaining these, um, the tradition, the healthy traditions that you have in your life, whatever those are, if they involve other people or just like certain things that you do for yourself, it's, it's really important. I don't know. Okay. You know? Okay. No, this, this, this is great. And now 
what would you tell yourself or others not to do? Is there a lesson in there too about not just this really worked, keep doing this? Is there also a lesson in don't do this? Do you have any regrets, Jamie, about the last year, something that you did or didn't do? You know, I think, I think this goes back to, it's a little, it's a little bit of that self-care thing. Um, And I think this is something that I feel like my, my, my best friend, Christine told me this and she got this from someone else. And it was like the idea, and this is going to sound weird, but to care less um, and not in the way that you think, but like certain things like work. Okay. Like you're going, I, I'm still employed, people that are still employed. Um, I'm working from home. I'm working my ass off most days. But, you know, there is an element to like, don't let work be everything. Don't let work be so important that you lose sight of what's healthy, you know? Um, so you have to kind of care a little less <laughs> um, in that. I think is the, the, the main thing I think is with work, we are all replaceable. We're all so replaceable. Like I could, I could be, you know, you could be replaced by a conveyor belt. I could be replaced by a conveyor <laughs> belt. They might not be as witty on social media, but it could happen. <laughs> it could happen. And you know, that's the reality. So what all these people that have just are killing themselves for work. It's like, is that the other thing? And this goes to almost like to, I can kind of put this towards politics too, where some people who are getting in so into politics and they love certain politicians. So certain in that regard, like, you know, your job or your politics, who's going to be at your funeral? Who's going to be there mourning you? Are the people you worked with going to be there? Mm, I don't know. Are your politicians you loved going to be there? Hell no. They're not going to be there. <laughs> not at all. They've got better things to do. So you got to cultivate in your life, you know, like what's really important? What really matters? Who really matters? Who's going to be there for you? You know, I don't know. Relationships, people, connections. Don't, 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 don't give so much of yourself to things that, I don't know, things that might not matter that much in the, in the bigger picture. No, I, I liked your test. Who's going to be at your funeral? Yeah. Who's going to be at your birthday? Who's yeah. going to be at your wedding? Who do you right. want at all of those places? Who yeah. do you not want at all of those places? Exactly. And, and it reminds me of like gardening, you know? You don't just go get a bunch of seeds and throw them down and say, I don't know what's going to grow, but, you know, I hope it's something, you know, like, and you just invest in grabbing all the seeds you can. Some seeds won't grow in certain areas, in certain climates. There's a time and a place to put down certain seeds um, and certain, you know, growths. And also, like, let's be intentional. Like, what is the goal? What do we actually want to do? And then work backwards from there. Mm -hmm. So to that end who do you want at your wedding? Like who would be the number one person to be at your wedding besides you? This is a trick question. I mean, I, I would have to say my mom, mm -hmm. number one, my mom. I mean, she's been the person, you know, it's a whole different experience when you grow up with a parent who has a 
<clears throat> an autoimmune disease, like, uh, you know, a life-threatening disease. It, 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 it makes that relationship so much more meaningful, so much more precious. So in that way, my mom has always been my, like the number one person to me. I mean, and many people's moms are just in general, Sure, but that's compounded by the, the, the idea that I've always grown up worrying that I might lose her, you know, cause I could. But Jamie, I hear you and I agree and I get that. And I, I, now, now we're going on a different tangent when I was trying to wrap up, but this will be our wrap up. <laughs> what does it mean? What does it mean when we are living in a pandemic right now, where now that feeling of you could lose them has mm-hmm. been omnipresent this whole year. Yeah. You know, like, so it isn't just your mom. Now it's everyone. Now it's you. It's me. It's, it's our neighbors. It's, it's the, the guy that you noticed, like, isn't in a, the similar routine going into the library. He's someplace else now, you know, like every single one of us now has that weight and that heaviness of like, mm-hmm. everyone is precious. Everyone is fragile. And I guess the thing is, weren't we always and right. so what do you what do you do when that heaviness is everyone now? Is that why we maybe have limits on words? Like what why do you have limits on words? What happens when you hit that limit? I have to go kind of like recharge. I do. I have to it's like it's like, you know, you charge your phone, I charge my soul. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know. I have to I have to like yeah. You know, and in the beginning of this whole thing, like I would have these horrible anxious, like anxious thoughts, like just fear ridden, anxious thoughts about losing my mom, you know, and then later when I was engaged, it was like, oh, my God, I started to think like, damn, when you get married to someone like (laughs) that's your husband or your wife or your partner, your your spouse, and you could lose them. How scary is that? Yeah, it is really scary. You've just added the fear. Like, so is it worth it? Is it worth it to love so deeply <laughs> that like what you're doing is like making yourself that vulnerable every time? Yeah, it's got to be worth it. It's got to be worth it because this is all we have. It's all we have, you know, and we, we got to make the most of it. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I was thinking this the other day as I was walking. I don't have any recollection of life before my life so i i could guess that i won't have any recollection of life after my death so this is it this is all i know i gotta i gotta make the most of it and cherish the time and the people that are in this whole thing with me i have no idea why but when you just said that all of a sudden like my eyes just like completely welled up with tears like yeah, I, 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 I think it's because for a minute there, I was actually trying to think, wait a minute, do I remember my life before my life? Like, no, no, there's nothing there. And, you know, there, there'll be people who say like this, I must have been like this in a past life or this must have happened to me in a past life. Right. Different cultural beliefs and traditions believe in those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I wasn't raised that way. Like for me to think of the idea of a post and pre-life feels very like, um, makes me very happy. It feels very creative, but it doesn't necessarily feel real to yeah. me. 
because of what, you know, I wasn't raised with that idea. And I, it also makes me angry sometimes that like, I wish I had been raised with the idea of like reincarnation and coming back because I, it's such a beautiful thing. Um, but I, I mean, it's finite. It's absolutely yeah. finite. Well, and I have to say, I, I know we're trying to wrap it up. We keep finding these good things to talk about, but there was this one episode <laughs> which I have to recommend. And I don't know if I've recommended it here before, but it was on the new unsolved mysteries. There's this one episode where they talk about the tsunami in Japan and, and how all these mysterious things happened after that tsunami. Cause there were massive deaths, massive deaths as a result of that tsunami. This is like what? 2010, 2011. I think so. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. And this, this episode is crazy because it's full of all these like spirits and ghosts coming back. Like these people that are lost after their deaths, like people had legitimate supernatural experiences from tsunami victims. And in Japanese culture, they think of death completely differently from how we think of it. So there is actually really a sense of peace there of like, these people aren't gone. They're just sort of on the other side of this wall. You know, they're on the other side of this like window and they're there, they're still there. And, you know, maybe they'll come back and we'll have an interaction with them and it'll feel weird and crazy and mysterious. But they think the the Japanese think of death in a way that I think would give us a better, a bigger sense of peace about death if we mm-hmm. thought the same way they did, you know? Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend that episode. It's creepy as hell. But it's, it's, it's gonna, it will stay with you and it might give you a weird sense of like (laughs) tragedy and peace at the same time. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. touches on that. Okay. Well, it's time. (laughs) Oh, it's time. I have to say, we talked about the show on Netflix and people are going to be pissed if we don't tell them what it was. It's called I Am Not Okay With This. The show about the supernatural comic book girl. That- yes. Yes. That was the name of the show. And I really loved the name of that show too. Yeah. yeah. Because the title is, it's just a phrase and a thought that I've had a lot in my lifetime. I am not okay with this. <laughs> and, and you know, it's perfect. Yes. <laughs> and, and what's interesting is that of course they wouldn't have a second season. Because I think we're living it. I think COVID-19 has been us living the ultimate final season of I am not okay with this because I don't know that any of us have been okay with everything that has happened <laughs> the last year. And so, that's, a good ra- that's a good wrap up spot. Is yes. Like, we're still not okay with this. Okay. Yes, we're still not okay with this. You've been listening to Been There, Done That, your pandemic survival podcast sponsored by the New Economy Coalition, a membership-based network representing the solidarity economy movement in the United States. Visit NEC at neweconomy.net. Until next time, I'm your host, Felicia Perez. Stay well and stay human.